Welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And today's business at hand is the business of learning to have a game plan and a mindset for achieving personal and professional goals and to share some very effective and practical approaches to this as someone who has put his principles into practice and who has succeeded in a variety of ways. Mike Ween is not only someone who has a successful track record the corporate arena as an executive at Frito-Lay, Pepsi, Omni Hotels, Citibank, and Deloitte, but in his personal life he has reached what I'm calling, he's not saying this, I'm calling it uh, a pinnacle of success as an Ironman competitor, a triathlete, and some of the lessons for achieving these goals are derived from the discipline required in this grueling competition. In 2003, he founded the Specific Edge Institute to coach high-performance leaders and their teams to achieve breakthrough results. Mike is on a number of boards of directors, including the USA Triathlon under the U.S. Olympic Committee, where he's vice president. He's earned a BS degree from Colorado State University and an MBA from the Kellogg School from Northwestern University. A uh, tip of my hat to my many friends here in Atlanta from uh, Northwestern undergraduate or graduate school. Welcome to the Business Hour, Mike. Thank you very much, Ron. It's good to be here. So... Mike, we can start this conversation in so many ways, uh, but I wanted to ask you this very important question, and that is, what does a high-performing individual like yourself typically have for breakfast? <laughs> well, uh, as we'll probably get into it, as an Ironman, I consume about 5,000 calories a day. And so my typical breakfast is an oatmeal pancake that I have. Um, It's made with uh, three eggs and oatmeal and you cook it up as a pancake. I put cinnamon on it, a little layer of peanut butter, and then it's two large pancakes that I fill with bananas, uh, the center with bananas, strawberries, uh, some craisins, and uh, even sprinkle a little bit of granola on it. Well, that actually sounds pretty good. Uh, I'm going to have to try that. It's delicious. Now, let's turn and jump right into having you share some of the the significance of why it is that most people are not being are are not actually born as winners and why a game plan can make all the difference in one's life yeah i'm a firm believer that um it's not just all about talent it's about discipline it's about concentration it's about endurance it's about good hard work um, you know, I don't think that there's people who are born with talent. I think it's uh, attained and developed over time and with a lot of effort. And and we're going to drill down into various aspects of the discipline that it takes uh, and the effort that it takes to achieve, achieve goals. But I have to say, in your book, The Specific Edge, How to Sustain how sustained effort wins in business and life, you really do a great job of offering up uh, approaches to achieving discipline that are, uh, for lack of a better term, very digestible. And uh, in fact, um, you know, it's not a, a, a large book, and, and that's by design, isn't it, Mike? It is. It is. You know, so often you get these self-help books that take forever to read. Um, I, this is a 115-page book, and I refer to it as a one-flight book. 
Um, I want the, my readers to be able to, on a two-and-a-half, three-hour flight, to be able to read it and enjoy it. And uh, I hope I found the right balance between entertainment and education. So uh, it's fun to read, but you also walk away with hopefully some very usable principles. You know, and the only reason that someone might not finish it in the course of a flight would be because it's it's jam-packed with useful information. And I apologize in advance to any listeners that think this is sounding like an infomercial, but this is a really good book. There are a lot of books out there on how to achieve one's goals, but if you take a glance at this book uh, or in the course of this program, you'll get it because there's lots of useful information, and I could imagine someone reading the book and reflecting on what you're saying, you know, uh, you know chapter by chapter. Um, so let's jump into... Uh, by, by the way, thank you very much. I'm going to have to include you as part of my PR department. <laughs> well, no, no, listen, I, I, uh, what we look for on the Business Hour are fascinating organizations or fascinating individuals, uh, and, and uh, you fit the bill uh, in, in every respect, uh, and... Uh, that's a promise to our listeners, uh, and you can be the judge, uh, listeners. Um, we're going to jump into the introduction, The Power of Focused Effort, which opens uh, with a, a quote uh, from Babe Ruth. And really, it's a per- it sets the tone perfectly. The quote is, you just can't beat the person who never gives up. And I just think that that is uh, a very much uh, part of what this Specific Edge is all about. And with that, let's talk about the section in that introduction. What is success? Well, you know, success is really, you know, staying focused and, you know, doing better than, you know, one, you're, you're expected to be constantly improving and to really be satisfied and happy with where you are. Um, you know, success is you know, being dedicated, being focused, but it's also just showing up. Um, you know, that's, I think, one of the really important parts of it. Um, and, you know, recognizing where your strengths are and weaknesses are and focusing on something that you can really be good at. You know, in fact, I think a lot of very successful people, uh, certainly in the business arena, uh, would agree with that and didn't necessarily have that as a conscious uh, approach, but they believe in the basic elements that you cite for uh, achieving goals, showing up, being focused on what you're good at, and being strategic about it. You bet. And um, in The Specific Edge, and the book is entitled The Specific Edge, How Sustained Effort Wins in Business and Life, there's a passage uh, that you've written that, that I'd like to read. It, it states... The specific edge is a type of book you read is is the type of book you read from start to finish, or, or rather, it's a book about evolution and not revolution. Uh, you go on to say principles like these aren't something you can absorb in one day. You don't read through them, take notes, then wake up the next morning saying, okay, I read the book. Today, everything changes. Instead, start by focusing on one side. Concept. Tell yourself, I'm going to set some very specific goals and share them with everyone. Then let that step lead to your next opportunity. So although we don't necessarily have to follow your book, and we could be very organic, it's really a great overview 
of your philosophy and of strategies for achieving success. So let's get into chapter one, which starts with another succinct, a succinct but powerful quote, quote rather from Colin Powell, which builds on the Babe Ruth quote, a dream doesn't become reality through magic. It takes sweat, determination, and hard work. And I think that sets a tone. So tell us about the tear test. Yeah. Well, let me just com- comment more generally on, 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 you know, some of the things that you just said. You just don't wake up and, and, and you know, all of a sudden think, hey, this is what I want to be and you have to be successful. It has to be something that you really work for. It has to be something that you're dedicated for. It has to be something you have the endurance to stick with it. Um, you know, the whole idea of the tier test is have a dream or have a goal and that dream or goal should be something that passes the tier test. And I refer to the tier test as if you imagine yourself finishing, if you imagine yourself accomplishing it, it should frankly bring a tear to your eye. Now, you know, one of my goals was to finish an Ironman. And not only to finish an Ironman, but to qualify for the World Championships in Kona, Hawaii. When I would dream about doing that, you know, I got teary-eyed. Um, I want to give you my favorite example, though. About a year ago, I was working with a student group of runners, and these runners had all been invited to this group by a judge, and the judge gave them the option of either going to jail or, um, or, or, or juvenile detention or joining this running group. Um, these were people, that, young, young adults, who really had their lives turned around and I was their graduation speaker after they had been in this group for a year, and some of them had now earned track scholarships to various colleges. It was an incredibly successful program. And I looked at the audience, and I said that, you know, you talked about the cheer test, and I said, you know, one of the things that maybe some of you in this room have is, you know, walking down the aisle in your cap and gown from graduation, knowing that you're the first person in your family ever to graduate college. And while maybe I didn't get a lot of tears out of the front couple rows, I looked at the back where all the parents were sitting, and they all had their handkerchiefs out. That's what I mean about the tear test. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. When you um, when you set a goal, which doesn't have to be the biggest goal in the world, but sometimes if you are willing to set a goal that is seemingly unachievable to yourself and, and to others, and you're passionate about it, 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 it can't help but uh, evoke a tear. Uh, and in the case of those guys, I could imagine you took what we might consider to be uh, at-risk uh, young people, you know, at risk of being going to jail and, and that being one chapter in a life of uh, spiraling out of control, not necessarily, but potentially. And um, the running program... Uh, help them change lives and and in so many ways i could imagine it's made them healthier gave them time to reflect on what they were doing uh gave them some passion for the sport itself i mean in just multiple dimensions spot on and it also gave them three things that's you know really my three themes for success and that is it gave them constant the ability to concentrate it gave them discipline and it gave them the endurance and that's not just in running, but that was also in life. 
Um, and we're going to talk more about that uh, as uh, the program uh, moves forward. Uh, tell us about the lighthouse goals and dreams. Yeah, it's important to have a goal or a dream, as we just mentioned, and and, and the tear test ties into that. Um, here's one of the tricks, though, and, and I refer to it as a lighthouse because, you know, that's the beacon of where you're shooting for. And it, it's a marathon. It is not a sprint. Um, but here's the important piece that we sometimes miss. Everybody will tell you to have a goal or a dream. Um, you need to share that with everyone. And the reason why you need to share that with everyone is, first of all, you'll be committed. Second is you'll get help from everyone. No matter if it's you're trying to run your first 10K and you'll get help running or you have a career dream and you'll get help from teachers and family friends of, uh, and guide you along the way. Um, so it's critical. And the last is uh, you're really motivated because you've committed to a whole bunch of people and you don't want to go back and tell them you missed the goal. So you, share the dream. Share that goal with everyone. You know, one of the things you do is you give credit uh, in the book to um, – uh, colleagues and to family members for for an, being a part of your support team, and I thought that was really nice. Thank you. Um, now, uh, you know, we, I, I hate to interrupt, but there's a there's a short story that's just really, uh, you know, I've been very fortunate, and I've been able to compete in the Ironman on the world stage. Um, and in 2011, I took second in the world in the Ironman championships. Um, crossing the finish line was very exciting, but that wasn't the magic moment. The magic moment was three hours later when I went back and saw my email and um, you know, t- took a look at the, the email. And I had 150 emails from people in Atlanta congratulating us on finish- crossing the finish line. And it was just so exciting to me to be part of that community. And it was not just me crossing the finish line, but it was all my friends. And what a nice byproduct to be able to share that with uh, with a group of friends uh, and your family. We're here with Mike Ween. We've been talking about uh, strategies for achieving goals. We've got lots more to talk about. We'll be back with Mike Ween right after this break. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. 
That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Mike Ween, who has an organization, the Specific Edge Institute, and who has written the Specific Edge, How Sustained Effort Wins in Business and Life. And we're using his book uh, as a framework for our discussion about how you can achieve goals through a, a disciplined approach. And as much detail as there seems to be in your chapters, it's really a distillation of, of strategy and tactics for your philosophy and strategy. Uh, and in your case, uh, personally, uh, practice to the nth degree. But let's turn to the book. And in Chapter 2 of The Cutting Edge Specialization, uh, as a um, subtitle within that chapter, uh, you make the poignant there's a poignant quote uh, this time from Plato. Uh, Each man is capable of doing one thing well. If he attempts several, he will fail to achieve distinction in any. And although we know that that there are correlates, corollaries to that, because a few people uh, do a few things well, uh, you've succeeded famously in business, and you've succeeded famously as an Ironman. So there's two things right there. But the point is focus. Um, tell us the importance of focusing on your core audience. Well, th- thank you. This <clears throat> this whole concept really applies to and a lot of my clients who happen to be either financial planners, lawyers, or accountants. So often when we go after new business, we try to spread our net as wide as possible so we don't miss anything. And, you know, when you're looking, for instance, for a lawyer to solve a specific problem, or a doctor for that matter, you want that person to have a very specific expertise. You're not looking for a generalist. So in the business world, this really applies to, you know, business development. And that's really where my practice focuses. But it also applies to athletes. I mean, you know, we're talking right now and Maybe I've given some of the listeners the impression that I'm one of these great athletes. Um, Let me tell you, I'm the kid who played right field. Now, Ron, do you know what that means if you play right field? Yeah, you really do. It's uh, almost uh, uh, down the line from second base. (laughs) (laughs) You know, let me just explain to the listeners. Um, When I was a little kid playing right field, if the ball was hit to right field, there'd be two people who would be paralyzed with fear, me and my coach. Because we both knew I could get hurt. And, and so, you know, I had no eye-hand coordination. I wasn't very fast. And, you know, I certainly wasn't big in size. And, and that's, I think, critical for a, a youth athlete. It's not about talent. Um, but I found something that I was successful with. Uh, you know, the combination of swimming, biking, and running and, and in, a, in a long endurance sport, um, you know, w- played to my strengths. And so while I wouldn't consider myself a great athlete, in the world of triathlons, I get to compete on the world stage. And for listeners who might not be familiar with our reference, uh, again, uh, typically batters are right-handed and will bat to center or left, (laughs) not as frequently to right field. So you're not uh, regarded as 
as important uh, as some of the other players, and uh, oftentimes that reference is made to second base. We all know that these days they're very, very, very important positions for one thing, because there are switch hitters and left-handed batters, so uh, we we don't want to ascribe uh, too much to uh, being in right field. But I appreciate your tactfulness and uh, and sensitivity to my feelings about a ball being a ball player. <laughs> <laughs> so. Focusing on your core audience uh, goes hand-in-hand with specialization. Uh, I thought that was a great point you made about having a, a doctor uh, that you that went, that you want to be specialized uh, in whatever, whether it's dermatology or ophthalmology, uh, you, you know, you want your doctor to be specialized. Uh, talk about the role of specialization and cutting-edge success. Well... You know, one of the terms that I've used is you want to be famous for something. You, you want to stand out. And, you know, there are very few people who can be, you know, f- really good at a whole bunch of things. You tend to either be average at a whole bunch of things or you can excel if you really specialize in a few very, you know, definite areas. Um, and so that's why I encourage people, if they really want to be at the top of their game, they should not try to be good at everything, but be exceptional at a few things. Yeah, and it's true in almost every field, uh, there are specialties that you can focus uh, on. Um, and I, I think one thing that your book does is is encourage people to find their strengths and to focus and specialize. You know, if nothing else, you make them conscious of focusing given their strengths and and to be able to specialize. I mean, you're, it doesn't always have to be built around your strength. Uh, you can cultivate uh, skill uh, in an area and, and then thereby make it a strength. Um, but to determine... Um, what those areas are, where you can focus, I think that's half the battle. Now, you, by the way, made a really an interesting point, which I want to reinforce, and that is find your strength. Let's define the find your strength as something that you'd really be passionate about, something that you would enjoy getting out of bed every morning early and going and doing. And, you know, that's an important lesson for all of us. It's also an important lesson out there for parents who are trying to guide their children into, you know, to help them find something that they'd be successful at. What are you passionate about? Well, you know, something to this program has been always um, uh, people, uh, the guests oftentimes are, 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 even though they don't feel they've achieved a perfect balance in their life, they do feel somewhat a measure of uh, what what is termed by social psychologists as self actualization you know and 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 it's it's a lucky individual that gets to match up their interests with their aptitudes um, but you're not necessarily going to get there and and you can just by uh, randomness uh, if you're lucky um, but for the for most of us uh, we have to give some thought to what our interests really are, how we focus, and how we match up uh, interests with our strengths. Uh, and that helps us wake up in the morning uh, feeling a little more fulfilled. And later on, we'll be talking about uh, um, the joy of integrating work and play. So uh, I'm going to save that. I want to get on with Chapter 3, 
gain the edge through discipline, uh, which begins with a quote from Theodore Roosevelt, um, with self-discipline, most anything is possible. And uh, uh, it's a particularly appointed quote uh, because I went to Theodore Roosevelt High School. <laughs> and uh, I re- recall, uh, don't flinch, don't foul, hit the line hard, and uh, um, walk softly but carry a big stick as well. Um, we're not going to get into those, but we're going to talk about Heinz Ward a really successful athlete uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers and discipline behind the scenes. Tell us about Heinz Ward and discipline behind the scenes. Sure. Heinz Ward, a great athlete with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He also was an All-American at uh, University of Georgia. Um, And he's now uh, on CNN. Uh, Heinz got a celebrity slot at the Ironman World Championships and was training. And by the way, he now lives in Atlanta. And uh, I found out about that and became Heinz's training buddy for bike riding and running while he was training for that. And, you know, it, what, a, what a delight that was. What a true gentleman he is. And <clears throat> so I became his riding partner as he was training. And one of the other things that you may not know about Heinz is he won Dancing with the Stars. Now, you know, scratch your head and say, how does an athlete like that win Dancing with the Stars? And, you know, it must be, gosh, the guy who's born natural talent. And on one of our bike rides, I turned to Heinz and I asked him, you know, Heinz, how did you do that? And he looked at me and he said, Mike, you know, a lot of people don't realize, but I went out to Hollywood 11 weeks before the show. And for eight hours a day, for 11 weeks, I trained with a dance instructor. It's all about concentration, discipline, and endurance. And if you think about it, you know, it wasn't that he just showed up on the dance floor and had natural talent. He really had to put in the effort. And, you know, I think that's an important story for all of us. Uh, It's, you know, it, it isn't just you just all of a sudden were successful and were born with it. He put in the effort, and who better to put in that effort of 11 weeks, 8 hours a day, than an ex-All-American football player? Absolutely right. Heinz Ward uh, was a highly successful professional athlete, and uh, he uh, he would get it. You know, he would have cultivated some of the same things that you're sharing um, with people when you when you're a public speaker or when uh, they read your book. Uh, uh, he would have encountered uh, bits and pieces of a discipline strategy to achieve his goals, uh, whether it be uh, in general as a, a superlative athlete or game by game. You know, there are goals that you have to succeed in a specific game that week. And Heinz Ward, um, pound for pound, because he wasn't a man of great stature. He was a man of more normal proportions among giants. And I always think of those guys as being extra special. When you can succeed as an average-sized human being in a sport with much larger than average size human beings that really makes you special so he had a a discipline that helped him do that and uh 
And also, I think I caught him a couple times on Dancing with the Stars. He did pretty good uh, <laughs> Good there. And we should also mention he has two Super Bowl rings, and he also was named Most Valuable Player in one of those Super Bowls. Yeah, so, and he's uh, done some really good charitable yeah. stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's a very uh, complete uh, uh, and really good guy. Um, <clears throat> you talk about defining discipline uh, and the age of discipline, or rather the edge of discipline uh, in that uh, chapter in chapter three, gaining the edge through discipline. So, talk about discipline. Talk about the edge of discipline. Yeah, I mean, discipline is look for for me. You know, getting up at uh, five fifteen every morning, no matter what the weather is, to go out and train <clears throat> is uh, you know is critical. Um, you know, in, in the business sense, the way that business is train, trading right now with technology, with big data, I mean, just staying abreast of what's happening and staying current and staying ahead of your clients to be a thought leader is also critical. Um, and, you know, you have to have the discipline to stay current. In your case, it's a tremendous amount of discipline. Um, it's discipline. Uh, this term doesn't quite apply in one hand, but it's discipline on steroids. Uh, <laughs> You're right. <laughs> um, uh, make no. Uh, uh, there's no question. My my guest is not uh, on steroids, but uh, I'm using that uh, frame of reference. We're t- going to take a break. We're here with Mike Ween. We've been talking about principles of succeeding and tactics and strategies for goal achievement. We'll be back with Mike right after this break. This is Dr. George from Peachtree ENT Center. We've won patient care awards and have the highest patient recommendations because we believe in practicing medicine the old-fashioned way. Practicing good medicine is based in listening to the patient and making a care plan that is individual. The best medical care is given when there is a strong doctor-patient relationship built on mutual trust and respect. At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking care of the whole patient because healing is more than writing a prescription. Whether you have problems hearing, have frequent throat or sinus infections, from the time you call our office and speak to a real person, you'll be treated as an individual and not as an ailment. During your visit, you will not be rushed and all your questions will be answered. When possible, natural treatments will be recommended to fix the problem. If surgery is recommended, cost-effective, minimally invasive treatment for snoring, sleep apnea, or sinus problems will be offered because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and we're here with Mike Wing of the Specific Edge Institute 
and the author of the book, The Specific Edge, How Sustained Effort Wins in Business and Life. And we've been talking about various principles, various strategies for goal achievement. Uh, Mike's got lots of great stories from his personal experience uh, to share in every chapter. And it's well-written, uh, and he's just got some specific uh, information for achieving uh, specific goals so that you can have a specific edge uh, in a competitive environment. Um, you start uh, in Chapter 4 with a, uh, a personal quote uh, that I'm going to read. A winner has more than just a vision of success. A winner continues to push forward through the obstacles that stand between him or her and that vision. And in Chapter 4, there's a section, Endure to Succeed. You have a quote uh, from Winston Churchill. Success is the ability to go, from fail- to go from failure to failure without losing your enthusiasm. We can learn an awful lot about failure, and you have a great story in there uh, entitled Frito-Lay Block to Blockbuster. Sure. Well, it was very early in my career at Frito-Lay. I had just come out of the, uh, got my master's uh, from Northwestern University, and I was at Frito for five years when I was given $29 million to roll out a new product. And I'm the guy who rolled out Fantastics. Um, Maybe some of you are sort of scratching your head saying you'd never heard of Fantastics. Well, we took it off the market in six weeks. The product was inedible. And you might say, how could that happen? Well, when we made the product in a test kitchen for the test markets, and we had four PhDs watching over the line, the product was delicious. When we expanded it to 30 plants across the country in three weeks so we could take advantage of national advertising, the product was inedible. And you know, I remember being invited down to our vice president of Mar- senior vice president of marketing and sales office, and uh, you know, I, I honestly thought I was about to get fired. And instead, they gave me another new product to roll out. And you know, I, I sort of when they said we're going to give you another new product to roll out, I looked and I said, "You got to be kidding!" I just rolled out the biggest turkey in the history of Frito Lay. Give me an established brand. And uh, he looked at me and he said two things. One. We just spent $29 million training you. <laughs> and the second thing he said is, you know, you've developed an expertise in marketing, in new product development, and the Frito-Lay distribution system. You're the perfect guy. And that product they asked me to roll out was Tostitos. Uh, Tostitos was the most successful food brand to be introduced in the 1970s. It's one of PepsiCo's billion-dollar brands today. And what's significant about that is I honestly believe it wasn't Tostitos that launched my successful marketing career. It was Fantastics because it was the learning experience that I had from Fantastics and overcoming that that really helped me develop the skills that make me successful throughout the rest of my career. It would seem that uh, Fantastics was uh, not such a fantastic product, but (laughs) it was a very fantastic lesson. Uh, Well said. Um, 
Speaking of failure, it, it, there's more than one graduate program these days, um, more than one MBA program uh, that uh, really uh, incorporates failure, or uh, at least the discussion of the value of failure. And uh, certainly yours would be one of the case studies that they, they might cite uh, because uh, there's much to be learned. You and I had a, um, a conversation um, before today uh, about Another beverage company, uh, although Frito-Lay is, 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 a, is a food products group, uh, it's under the Pepsi umbrella. And uh, another uh, beverage company, the Coca-Cola company, uh, and you were certainly well aware of this, uh, uh, being from the, uh, the P-Word uh, company, uh, <laughs> they created New Coke. And... There was an outrage about taking away the classic Coke. And it didn't take them too long, but they realized they made that mistake. And as I mentioned to you, I was there at Coke uh, in the assembly hall when Don Keogh was asked about whether or not it happened to be a conscious strategy to do that so that they could reintroduce classic Coke. And he paused for just a moment, but it didn't take him very long to say... We were uh, not very bright in taking away uh, classic Coke, but we weren't so dumb not to bring it back. Well, well said. Um, you know, I think it was one of the prouder days at Pepsi that I have to admit when Roger Enrico, our president at the time, uh, came out, took out full-page ads in most of the newspapers when they introduced New Coke and gave every Pepsi employee the day off as a national holiday and celebration. Um, because uh, we knew right away. Um, you know, I, I have talked about this many times, and now that I live in Atlanta, I have to be very respectful of Coke. But I believe that the decision to come out with new Coke may have been one of the dumbest marketing moves uh, of, of all time. Um, but I have to give Coke credit because with, you know, that kind of an organization for them within eight weeks to recognize and publicly admit that that was not the right idea and to come back with classic coke was maybe one of the more brilliant moves of our time and and speaking of case studies and failure that one would be included in lots of uh, nba uh, programs uh, but also the lesson of rebounding from failure you bet um now in Chapter 5 of Balanced Edge, you've included a quote from Albert Einstein. That quote reads, Out of clutter, find simplicity. From disorder, find harmony. In the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. And that's a great quote from Albert Einstein. In this chapter, you also address achieving a balance of physical, mental, emotional and spiritual aspects of your life uh help us get our around, our arms around that sure let, let me start with the iron man um and, and apply it to there um to be successful in an iron man it's not just about the physical it's not just about you know brute strength it's uh, it's all four of these elements. On the physical side, yes, I have to build endurance, and I have to learn for the bike riders out there to pedal up and pedal down. Um, on on the mental or intellectual side, I have to be sensitive to pacing. So many triathletes burn themselves out on a 112-mile bike ride, 
and don't have anything left for the full marathon on an Ironman. On the emotional side, it's you know dealing with fear. It's dealing you know it's you know maintaining re- relationships, and it's uh, just you know having this dream and passing the tear test. And on the fear, I, you know I readily admit to people that I'm terribly allergic to sharks. And on the spiritual side, it's just recognizing that. Hey, there's an off. There's usually about 2,500 people that do an Ironman. There's over 4,000 volunteers, and also just appreciate the kind of health that you're in to be able to do something like this. Now, I've seen so many people burn out when they just focus on one of these and not all four. And you've got to have them in balance. But Ron, what a great lesson on life too. I mean, how many people have you seen in your career who just focused on their career? They let their physical or what they're eating you know, go away or they're not focusing enough on their family and their relationships, um, that they do burn out. And so to come over these obstacles, to, to get around the fantastics uh, disasters, um, I really believe you've got to have the balance of physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual. Uh, well said. I, I, I think that uh, that's important for being a well-rounded individual, um, a, a healthy person, uh, is to have that balance between uh, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. Um, in Chapter 6, you uh, talk about attitude, which is related, uh, attitude to create an edge, and you begin that chapter with an Abraham Lincoln quote, we can complain because rose bushes have thorns, or rejoice because thorn bushes have roses. Tell us about um, about that, and maybe tell us about it in the context of Dick Jones and Column G. Sure. Well, first of all, Dick Jones was a colleague of mine at Deloitte, and a couple years after we had both left, many years after we had both left, Dick ran his first marathon, uh, the Atlanta Marathon, and he ran it in about six and a half hours. Um, he came to me three weeks later, all excited about it, and he said, "Mike." I have a dream, which is consistent. He was sharing his dream, and my dream is to run the Boston Marathon. And for Dick to qualify for the Boston Marathon, he just had to take off about three hours or run the marathon literally twice as fast. And he asked me to not quite coach him, because I don't view myself as a coach, but to mentor him. And after I covered my laugh thinking that that was ridiculous, um, I started working with Dick. And... You know, one of the things, Dick, Dick is a very quantitative kind of guy. And, you know, he developed these spreadsheets and they tracked how many miles he was running and how fast and what the weather was like and his pace and all this detail. And he was so proud of it one day after about six months of training that he showed this to me and I looked it over. And one of the columns, it was column G, he had all these different reasons or maybe excuses why he did not do as well or why he couldn't run that day. And I looked at him and I said, Dick, this is just terrific, and I love the way you're tracking it, being quantitative, but delete column G. That's with all the excuses, because I could care less about the excuses, um, and you don't want to focus on the excuses. Um, by the way, let me just fast forward. Dick somehow managed to lose 70 pounds. He quit smoking. He ran the Chicago Marathon a uh, year and a half later, after failing at two other marathons to qualify, 
I was there in Chicago crying with him at the finish line as he broke that time barrier. And uh, I also rode out to the start line with Dick in Boston three times. He's a three-time finisher of the Boston Marathon. So here's a guy who really followed uh, this example, uh, had a dream, and uh, really spent years to attain it. Um, another tear test. Um, so now let's get into Chapter 7, uh, entitled Enjoy the Edge. And there's a quote in the, at the beginning of this chapter from that great American philosopher, Warren Beatty. Uh, uh, the quote is, You achieve success in your field when you don't know whether what you are doing is work or play. And I'm going to have you explain what that is uh, in terms of the real satisfaction being the process of achieving the goal and not the end result itself, which is what you write. So tell us about the three P's of enjoyment. Sure. Well, first of all, it is... uh, Well, maybe we should uh, uh, hold that thought. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we're going to have you uh, talk about the three Ps, and I'll, uh, before the break here, uh, leave uh, the listeners with a quote. Anticipation is leveraging what you know to predict the future, and that's a Mike Ween quote. We'll be back with Mike Ween to talk more about achieving goals right after this break. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Mike Ween, the author of The Specific Edge and the founder of The Specific Edge Institute, who, by the way, uh, speaking of strengths, I, I want to give a tip of the hat to uh, Dick Schweitzer, a very good friend of mine, who uh, heard you uh, in a public speaking engagement and said, Ron, this is a guy you really should get on the program. He's uh, he's just a, a great speaker, uh, and he had a copy of your book, and he said uh, it's a great book. So thanks a lot uh, to Dick Schweitzer, uh, a, a guy who... Uh, has achieved a considerable measure of success and uh, one specific thing alone for which uh, Dick deserves a lot of credit was um, I believe he was age 84 it might have been 85 when a couple of years ago uh, Dick uh, climbed up to the 17,000 foot base camp of uh, 
Mount Everest. Uh, you know, quite a quite an achievement, and uh, and Dick, that made you the hero to uh, lots of us. Um, now, getting back to achieving one's goals uh, in the context of the specific edge uh, in. Chapter 8, you talk about uh, the rising bar, or rather, let's have you talk about the three P's of enjoyment. Just before the break, we were, we were talking about uh, um, enjoying the process. Sure. Yeah, you know, we were talking about Warren Beatty's quote, you have to achieve, um, you achieve success in a field if you don't know whether you're at work or play. And, and that's the whole thing about being passionate, being excited about getting up and getting out of bed. Let me give you the uh, example of a runner. Um, you know, people who are starting a running program, I always talk about the three P's so they, you know, actually continue doing it. And the three P's are place, people, and pace. Um, you've got to make sure that you set the right pace, that you're not running too fast or you'll burn yourself out. You've got to pick a place to run that's enjoyable. I happen to love to run along the Chattahoochee River. Um, you know, there's all kinds of nature and all kinds of things to see. And I also encourage you, if you're a runner, to find someone to run with. Um, that will make sure that you show up at 6 a.m. in the morning, no matter what the weather is, because somebody else will be standing in that parking lot. Well, those three Ps, I think, are great for anything that you're doing. Certainly pace. When you get into your new job, are you trying to do everything in the first week, or are you you know, setting reasonable objectives? Work at a place where you're surrounded by people that you enjoy being with, and work as far as place in a culture or an environment where you can thrive. And, you know, these are the kinds of things that, you know, you, you, you tie right into being passionate about what you're doing. If you're passionate about what you're doing, you're going to be much more successful. You know, Mike, you've uh, achieved a great deal, and we've talked a little bit about failure. Uh, can you give us an example of where uh, any failures and disappointments uh, that you've experienced uh, in, in in trying to move forward uh, have actually uh, fueled uh, your uh, commitment to achieving those goals? Sure. Well, obviously, the fantastics experience is one. Um, you know, and I in my career, I have a whole list of failures. I don't know if anybody's heard of Biddles. That's the rice uh, chip that Frito Lay came out with, and it was a rice-based product. Uh, where were those gluten-free people? We were just ahead of our time. Or another one was Zambinos, the Italian snack. Um, so you know, my career is um, cluttered with opportunities, which I call learning experiences. But certainly in the competitive side too. Um, I've had some really terrific races uh, on the world stage where um, one that I was the world champion just in August. I've taken a number of seconds, but, uh, you know, I also uh, went to the world championships and was 34th. Um, and, you know, it, all it did is, you know, gave me an opportunity to try to learn, to understand how I could do better uh, the next time. And, uh you know, I think that that's important. It's, uh, you know, having that positive attitude of continuing to move toward a longer-term goal. And and there's a quote uh, um, at the beginning of Chapter 8 uh, that you make. It's a Mike Wing quote. Always be passionate and purposeful about life. Always be, make a difference. Always believe that the best is yet to come. And that incorporates uh, uh, a lot of what we've been talking about, uh, having that positive attitude about the best is still yet to come. 
Uh, in that chapter, you talk about the five levels of marketing and learning to anticipate. Uh, talk about that. Yeah, the five levels of marketing, um, it, it's really something that I came up with to encourage people to move to the fifth level. The first level of marketing is, uh, you know, sometimes you're going in the middle of August through a, a farm field and a farmer has set up a corn stand um, and selling corn. Uh, that's produce. The second level is he puts up a sign, four ears for a dollar. That's promote. The third level is he gets his son, he puts a couple dozen ears of corn in the, his bike basket and sends him into town to sell. Now, on the first three levels, there aren't many companies that are still at level one or level two. About 40% of the companies out there on level three are focused on selling. The fourth level, where 40% of the companies are and where most companies are moving to, is in the farm example, you know, people are coming in for fresh produce, and all of a sudden you have people coming in saying, gosh, we'd sure love some fresh pies or cider. And the farmer is responsive. Um, and starts developing those because people are asking for them. That is level four. That's respond. The fifth level is where everyone wants to be, and that's where you all of a sudden know your client or your customer or what's happening or, for that matter, even your competitor better because you're focused on it. And the fifth level is anticipate. Um in the farm example, how many people went to their farmer and asked for a corn maze or hay rides? And my favorite example is, oh, I guess it's been almost six years now. We lost maybe the best level five thinker of our lifetimes. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, how many people eight or ten years ago went to their cell phone company and said, I really don't want buttons on my cell phone? Uh, Steve Jobs, that's what made Apple what it is today, is they did not go out and ask their customers what they wanted. They anticipated what they wanted and developed products that stayed so far ahead of the market that uh, Apple is one of the uh, you know largest companies as far as net worth in, in the world. Mike, in Chapter 9, the finish line, you begin with another Winston Churchill quote, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. And that sets a tone uh, for that chapter. We aren't going to give away uh, too much uh, about the finish line. Uh, You have a section in there on no shortcuts, on your Olympic potential, on the best to stood to come. And I want you to talk about turtles on the road. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's something that I'm known for. I ride up north of Atlanta in Cartersville at least once a week, and we're in a very rural area. And um, literally, oh, probably twice a month when I'm up there, I will see a turtle literally crossing the road, Um, maybe to get to the Shell Station. (laughs) But, you know, you see a turtle crossing the road, and, and this road is hot asphalt. And generally... What all too often happens to that turtle is they'll either get run over by a car or they'll be overcome by the heat of the asphalt and literally start cooking. And it's just a habit of mine. I always stop and get off my bike and lift the turtle in the direction that he's going or she's going and put him off, you know, to the side of the road. Um, That's a great metaphor for, you know, how many people in your life are the turtles that need that little extra help to get across the road. And, 
you know, it really is, you know, once you have attained a certain level of expertise, you know, there's a time where you want to share, you know, your greatest value and greatest sense of satisfaction is to start to share that expertise with people. And I really appreciate where I am in the stage of my life of all the people that I get to mentor, whether it's from a business standpoint or whether it's swim, bike, and run. Um, you know, you find that that's really the next level um, and just get a great deal of satisfaction of mentoring others. Yeah, I'm certain that you've learned a lot just in reflection when you're out there on a 30-mile run or a 100-mile bike ride or uh, swimming uh, a couple of miles. Um, what's your thoughts on how young a person uh, can be to be exposed to the specific edge? Well, um I guess I've had a number of situations where high schools have brought me in to talk to uh, their seniors, whether it's either a business class, uh, which I've talked to at a number of schools, or an entrepreneurial class, or it's a, you know, a, a sports team, because they all have the same principles. But what's important about having a specific edge, even for a young person, is, you know, it'll not only help them in you know, picking, you know, being more successful as an athlete, but also as they develop their career. You know, high school is a great time to start trying to figure out what you're passionate about, what you're interested in, what you want to major in. And it will also, this whole concept of having a specific edge will really be, help you break through in the interview process, in developing your resume, and you want to develop those experiences now as a high school student so when you graduate from college you will have a you know a nice track record of doing you know of demonstrating what you're most passionate about and uh, I agree with you because I think uh, there might be a few very uh, insightful uh, elementary or middle school students who could learn something from uh, the specific edge but uh, I think it's in high school where you start to uh, formulate your uh, long-term goals so I think a lot of high school students would find this really very good reading. Um, Mike, I want to thank you for sharing a really useful game plan that even in part, you know, even if uh, you took away a few things, they would be useful things. There are things which can work for lots and lots of people in, in goal achievement. And I want to thank you for taking the time to be on the Business Hour. Thank you for inviting me, Ron. I appreciate it. You can uh, learn more by going to www.specificedge.com. You can get in touch with Mike, find out about his uh, availability for speaking engagements. You've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. We're on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on the radio and the Internet next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.